1: What would you like the power to
0: do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And we are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Wednesday, January 17th. I am Josh Engelman. I'm joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We are brought to you by BetMGM. If you play on DraftKings, You've got a nine-game slate. If you play on fan, FanDuel, couldn't even say it, you've got an eight-game slate. I'm going to start playing on FanDuel again with those terrible Onyx rewards coming out of DraftKings. Yeah, I said it. Hope you're listening, DraftKings. Fix your mistakes. Anyway, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Greg, what's up?
1: So one thing I will add to that is the alternative is FanDuel. You get zero rewards for anything.
0: That's true oh <laughs> I, I wouldn't be as angry then if i got nothing i would have no expectations i had expectations and they were uh significantly pooped on
1: yeah so we got uh the onyx rewards which uh, josh pointed me to they are uh out in the uh dk something page you can find if you search the dk rewards yeah we were trying to figure out what uh what onyx rewards may we that we might want to get for the for the year and yeah still to be determined
0: yeah, it's, it's really bleak. It's really bleak. Like, I like sneakers, but I don't want to get sneakers with it. That doesn't feel like a reward to me. It's just a bummer, man. Just a bummer. Uh,
1: I think you'd look good with a nice new handbag.
0: Yeah, that's oddly enough, not in the market for a designer handbag or Tiffany jewelry. <laughs> like, other than all, like, the 10 different golf trips that you can select... It doesn't feel like they dialed this one into the types of people that are qualifying for this stuff on DraftKings. It it they doesn't seem to, to fit the mold.
1: What if we went to a live final, though, and everybody there had a handbag?
0: I I would just highly doubt it. <laughs> I would highly doubt it. <sighs> Nine games ahead of us today. It's a pretty disgusting-looking slate on my first pass-through Um We've got the Hornets as double-digit dogs, the Spurs as double-digit dogs, the Pistons double-digit dogs at home. Just a lot of gross across the board. You ready to break it all down? Let's do it. Well, here we go. Minnesota Timberwolves, 11.5-point favorites in Detroit. 223 total for Minnesota. We're waiting on the news on Anthony Edwards, who's questionable. On the Detroit side, we also have a probable tag on Boyan Bogdanovich. And we don't yet know the status of Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala coming out of the trade. We've got 20 to 25 percent ownership to Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. I think they are the overwhelming best options you can get to from Minnesota right around the field for both dudes. They do stand out. Feel free to get to any other starters because a matchup against the Pistons. Pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, the most important thing to talk about here is going to be the status of Anthony Edwards, and I tend to think he's going to play. I know that we've actually seen him miss games this year, uh, but in general, we've seen him listed as questionable a handful of times over the last couple of years, and he plays more often than not, but we should still break down the possibility of what could happen if Anthony Edwards does not play. And the number one thing that stands out when you look at the data for this team this year, when Edwards is off the court, 33% usage rate for Carl Anthony Towns. So he would be the guy who would have to take on such a bigger role in the offense as far as usage is concerned. Because if you look at the other players on the team, so Cat, 33% usage this year when Edwards is off the court, he got Nasri to at 23.6%, but it's not like he's going to pick up a mass amount of playing time in the absence of Anthony Edwards. And then there's nobody else over 20% that regularly is in the rotation for the Timberwolves. So in the scenario where there is no Anthony Edwards, it's going to have to be all the shots going to call Anthony Towns. He's already popular as is and for good reason. Like you mentioned, it's a good matchup against the Detroit Pistons, and he also has a reasonable price tag. And he would probably be my most rostered payup. Op- and he's not even all that expensive at $7,700. Mm-hmm. But if we consider him a payup option, he'd be my most rostered payup option, probably by a fairly wide margin if Edwards doesn't play.
0: Absolutely. He's going to look fantastic. That $7,700 price tag is just not going to fit this spot. Um, he should thrive if Edwards ends up out. Yeah, I don't have much else other than Edwards and Tat. Like Edwards down to 8300 with an MPE against the Pistons. If, if he's in there, That looks downright tasty. That is not a price tag I expect to stick around all that long. It's not like he's been bad. 1.28 fantasy points per minute for Edwards over the past month. That's still a really nice run for him. And playing the Pistons is a good thing.
1: These are very odd price tags on both Edwards and Carl anthony Towns. Ones that don't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Especially because the DK pricing in particular has been so tight. As Fandle's done a, a better or I shouldn't say better. They've been like a little bit looser with, with some of the pricing as of late, but DraftKings, considering how tight it's been, it, it's pretty curious that we've got Anthony towns at $7,700 in a matchup against the Detroit Pistons with Edwards being questionable. Cause usually when players are banged up, they've been more aggressive pricing players up. So capital DraftKings, DraftKings and FanDuel Edwards is out one of the top plays on the slate and already looks good.
0: We go to Detroit now, uh, Slightly less ownership
1: coming into the
0: Detroit Pistons <laughs> today. Uh, high of one percent to pick anybody, basically five percent to Alec Burks on Fanduel is the actual number, or five to Killian Hayes. I don't have a single share of the Pistons. I don't. I don't know how you get here. We're talking about the number one defense. They're twenty-first in pace. The Pistons are garbage. Uh, unless we get like wholesale dudes ruled out later today, I'm gonna feel very comfortable not rostering a Detroit Piston dude.
1: It's a brutal matchup. As much as we talked about how good the matchup is for the Timberwolves going up against the Pistons, the inverse could be said on the Pistons side because the Timberwolves have one of the best defenses in the NBA this year. I don't know what happened with Rudy Gobert last year, whether maybe he was banged up, there was some issues maybe acclimating him to the team, or maybe... Long COVID. Yeah, could could be that too. He was still suffering from uh, touching the microphones and his uh, getting COVID from years ago, but... Rudy Gobert looked like he was a player who was on the decline last year. And now he's once again cemented himself as one of the, if not the best defensive players in the NBA. And as a result, the Timberwolves are right around the top of the Western conference standings. They are a title contender this year and nothing looks good from the Detroit Pistons. So my top 150 lineups, Josh, I have one share of Killian Hayes and nothing else from anybody else on the team.
0: Yeah. I don't, I really just don't see the path. And, And like, it's not like anybody's clamoring to
1: get them either they're not it's not a fun team to want to roster so killian hayes is the most popular player on the team at 1.4 percent projected ownership and i am underweight to the field on him
0: the orlando magic are three-point underdogs in atlanta 232 total this one's a little bit different now same orlando rotation no gary or sorry uh people that are out gary harris kevon harris jet howard franz wagner they're all out uh, Foltz has been back for uh, like two games now, but we do have ownership coming in here. 46% to a $3,500 small forward power forward Joe Ingles. 23% to John Isaac. Around 10 to 15 on Chumo Kiki and Paolo Bancaro, 10 to Gogo Batadze. I look at this team in a very different light than what's coming in right now. I can say this pretty comfortably. I don't think that Joe Ingles will be 45% owned when we get to lock. He's just sort of the best value thing you can find right now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, so for last night's slate, we had Reggie Jackson picked up a bunch of ownership. I got to Reggie Jackson last night, uh, and same with somebody like Peyton Watson. For a slate like last night, if it was only, you know, a three-game slate and Joe Ingles was this price tag and his lack of value, like, you just have to save salary somewhere. And that's kind of what's happening right now where we don't have an abundance of value. And Joe Ingles is somebody who has played 20 plus minutes the last two games. He's been active uh, largely because Franz Wagner remains out for this team as well as Gary Harris. So filling out the rotation, you end up getting to around 20 minutes in recent games for Joe Ingles and at his price point being a very cheap one, particularly on DraftKings. I don't think Ingles is much of a as much of a consideration on FanDuel, but at $3,500 dollars. Sure, he is playable, but it is for now. And to the point you had made before that if we start seeing more players ruled out on the slate, another value opens up, that that ownership just absolutely plummets on Joe Engel. So for right yeah. now, he lands in lineups for me. Underweight to the field, though, to the forty six percent mark that he's at. But yeah, for sure, as of right now, he looks like a solid value play. I very highly yeah. doubt that he's a top value play a few hours from now.
0: I really like Goga today. 9% ownership. He's 5K. The last game out, they cut the the center rotation down to Goga starting, playing real minutes, and then Wendell Carter Jr. just being the backup. I went 26-22. We actually have Wendell Carter Jr. projected for more minutes than Goga today. Um, appreh- like, uh, I'm a little curious on that one. That really hasn't Like, it it can be the case. We had Wendell Carter Jr. out for five games, come back, play 19 off the bench. Goga has been starting. I don't really know what they want to do. I don't think it's a 24-24 split either. You could very easily see Bankero pick up two or three minutes at the five, or Isaac in this case. But even if I was a little bit lofty and I go to 24 on Goga, I think he's a little underrepresented for what he is, given the current ownership. That's not the only guy, though. Like, John Isaac's pulling 25% ownership that's one dude like, is he a good per minute guy? Yeah. Do I want him to be the value guy having a nine game slate? No, not really. Um, that said you got to get to him right now. I just hope something else opens up. It's a testament to what this slate looks like.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, all the same things I just said about Joe Ingles, they apply to Jonathan Isaac as well if it's just a one V one. Who would I rather play Ingles or Isaac as of right now? I would I would lean towards angles, something that's going to change later on in the day by the time we do, you know, deep dive and live before lock. As far as the center rotation goes, I think it's pretty reasonable to expect the starter plays something like 26 minutes. The backup yeah. probably plays 20 minutes, and then there's just a couple other center minutes that either go to Jonathan Isaac or whatever else they end up going yeah. to with small ball. So I'm with you, or I think the most likely starter is going to be Goga Patadze because we haven't seen Wendell Carter Jr. start for how long now since he last started? It was December. 26th. We have
0: Wendell Carter Jr. projected
1: for more minutes today than he's played in the past thirty days in any game. And eventually, I assume they want him to start and play the bigger minutes because that's generally what they've done when he's been healthy. Goga's been really good this year. Like if yeah, you look, at I don't that,
0: think that's you know, true anymore.
1: Uh, in terms of what they, I want don't think to
0: they do, care if it's Koga. Wendell Carter Jr. at this point for how well go like Goga's twenty four. I don't think they give a shit which one of them is good.
1: Yeah, no, I think that could be certainly brought up as a reasonable point as well. When we've seen Wendell Carter Jr. totally healthy, he has been the starters, played the bulk of the minutes, but he could have just been Wally pipped by Goga Batadze at this point because Batadze, last I looked, he was like 97th, 98th percentile or something like that in, in defensive EPM. And now also, if you look at some of the recent games where Wendell Carter Jr. just hasn't been able to stay healthy, I do think it's more likely going to be Batadze that starts. And in the event, I'll I'll expect the starter to play, like I said, somewhere around 26 minutes, and then whichever one of them comes off the bench play 20 minutes. And just because it's been a minute since we've seen Wendell Carter Jr. start, I do think that Batadze is the more likely starter. I wouldn't be stunned if they go back to Wendell Carter Jr. because... When we yeah. did see Wendell Carter Jr. last return from a layoff, even though Batadze had played so well, they did insert Wendell Carter Jr. back into the starting lineup. Right now, though, I do think they're looking to limit his minutes just because of all the injuries he's accumulated.
0: Yeah, Darko has him as a plus one overall right now, which is like a 25 to $30 million player, if that's real, which is just insane to think about. But he's been exceptional for Orlando thus far. So that's why I, like, I don't... like. Yeah. Goga could just be ahead of Wendell Carter moving forward, and that's just that worked out really well for Orlando. That said, nine percent ownership, five K. I really like that price tag for him in this spot against Atlanta.
1: Yeah, and uh, like we said, he's he certainly earned the minutes this year, and yeah. it, it just remains to be seen. Are the Magic going to continue to go with Goga over Wendell Carter Jr.? My best guess is yes. Might not be for long. For today, I'm going to say yes. Goga starts. And at 5K, certainly somebody who's who's viable for this league. Relative to ownership, he is the Magic player that I think warrants the most consideration relative to what their ownership is. So the 8% number I'd be overweight to the field to on Gogo, whereas yeah. Joe Ingles and Jonathan Oz, guys who had landed more lineups for me than Gogo, but underweight I would be relative to their current ownership.
0: Anything else you want to touch on from the Orlando Magic?
1: No, nah, nothing else that really stands out. Okay. Well, then we can go to the Atlanta side of this
0: one. Everybody that's normally available is single digit ownership across the board for the Hawks. Shouldn't be all that surprising. Top five defense in Orlando. They don't exactly play fast. It's kind of the same thing that always happens for Atlanta. Like you want to grab any one of these starters, Jalen Johnson, Trey, Bay, DeJounte, Capel, like they're all fine in a lineup because they don't mess around with their rotation. You can feel pretty confident you're going to get the minutes that you expect from these guys. It's just a bad matchup, but... I've got a little bit of Jalen Johnson, a Kongu at 4,600. Like, I'm always going to be at least a little bit interested there. They can play him alongside Capella. He could probably handle a little bit of a Palo Banquero assignment in this one, but I don't have any big stands coming out of the Hawks.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of issues here. Number one, DeJounte Murray at $7,700 is uh, kind of close to like a ceiling price for him when he's playing alongside Trey Young. And you got Trey Young also at $9,800. You mentioned it's a bad matchup, which is true. It's not going to be the fastest-paced matchup for the Atlanta Hawks. The total in this game is 231.5, which is a little bit lower than what we would normally see out of an Atlanta Hawks game. But in addition to that, with the lack of value that we have on the slate, it's kind of hard to pay up for guys like DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, especially when you consider DeJounte Murray is the same price point as Carl Anthony Towns, and Carl Anthony Towns just projects way better than DeJounte Murray does. So there's nothing that stands out from the Atlanta Hawks, and there's nobody on the injury report, so there's nothing that I would expect to change later in the day either.
0: Yeah, I have nothing else to add. I have 12% Jalen Johnson, 12% Congo That could be anybody as we move forward. That's not me taking a stand. There's just a hard, hard team to actually want to discuss. All right, well, schedule for the rest of the day, two games down. NFL strategy show coming up after this at 11 a.m. I they want I got a message from Laffy earlier. They want you guys to hit the like button right now, by the way. Uh, 1 p.m., PGA strategy show. So you're getting NFL, NBA, and golf today. Deeper Dive is back at 5 p.m. I'll see you guys
1: then. Greg, I assume you are on live before lock tonight at 6? Yep, live before lock tonight. And uh, other than that, I also did an MMA video early this morning, which should be going up on the YouTube channel soon. So uh, we got some cool new MMA tools up on the site. we got Sims now for MMA. There's going to be a sale for that, by the way, starting Friday. Just giving you guys a little bit of a heads up on that. So i uh, starting to put out some more MMA content now that we've got that on the site as well.
0: I'll probably have something coming soon, but maybe not for like a week or two. But soon enough. Soon enough. Also, use our avatar. Stochastic.com slash avatar, grab our logo, put it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Owners Box, Yahoo. If you finish in the top three of a contest with 5,000 or more entries, you get a month of whatever you want at Stochastic. If it's the NBA Sims package, that's projections, ownership, boom bust, Discord, Sim Tool, contest generator, lineup generator, everything that we have behind the paywall, you would get it. And all you have to do is tweet your result at Stochastic HOF. <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm going to finish off what I just got texted to me in a second. Um, there's nothing easier for you here. It costs you absolutely nothing. And you have the ability to get a month of our tools and see what we've got going on behind the paywall. Very, very simple. Go to stochastic.com avatar. Greg, you and I were talking about our reps before we started. Mm-hmm. I have not been texted by my rep since the day he told me that he was my rep november 2nd i just got a text from him now not about onyx rewards
1: asking Uh, me if i'm
0: getting into the 888 for tonight
1: ah interesting so i actually i kind of thought that it it when you told me you got the text i thought it actually could have been because of something you said on the show because i know they they've been pretty hyper aware of stuff we've said or yeah. tweeted about recently. I've gotten a lot of messages about it. So, like even last night, I was I, I tweeted out a message. I was confused because the and I got a good answer about this. But I the the main contest yesterday was bigger on DraftKings for the three game slate than for tonight for the nine game slate. So I said I tweeted. I, I don't understand this. Somebody from DraftKings reached out to me, and uh, this is data they have that obviously I wouldn't. Uh, but they get more NBA players on Tuesdays than Wednesdays. And the reason being is because there's NFL payouts on Mondays and then people are more apt to play NBA on Tuesday. So that was good context. Have, but also, yeah, they they do listen to us.
0: Yeah. So apparently they want I'm guessing I'm going to get some sort of like if you put 10 entries into the 888, we'll give you a five dollar ticket.
1: There you go. Take advantage of it. Free money.
0: Yeah. San Antonio Spurs. Two touchdown dogs plus two points to the Boston Celtics, 237 total. We've got 11% ownership coming into Jeremy Sohan. Everybody that's normally available for San Antonio basically is. Although Dominic Barlow does have a Q tag. We don't know if he's going to be with the G League team or not. I guess that matters. But at the same
1: time, uh, it probably doesn't.
0: Do you want to play anybody from the Spurs today?
1: I mean... (sighs) Unless we find that Wemby no longer has the minutes restriction, then sure, him, because he's just been insane from a fantasy perspective. And there's a a time not too long from now where that minutes restriction is going to be lifted, and he is just going to break some DFS lights in crazy ways, because last game he played 27 minutes and he scored 63 fantasy points. Then with the game before, he played 20 minutes and scored in the mid 40s 21 minutes also in the mid 40s so we're going to need to know any kind of changes with minutes restrictions for Wemby for me to want to get there but as things stand now No, especially when you consider the blowout risk, like we try to avoid talking about it because there's a lot of variance to NBA games and there are times there's games we think are going to be blowouts that could be competitive. But on a nine game slate, when a game is a 16 point spread, this is where I really think we could legitimately look at the spread and be concerned about workloads and playing times for certain guys. So nothing from the Spurs that I want to get to unless we find out that Wimby is playing over 30 minutes again.
0: Yep. I don't have anything to add. Un, you can't talk about this team right now.
1: <laughs> the other Boston side looks awesome. <laughs>
0: well, it, it is and it isn't. Like, everybody looks great for Boston. Even if everybody's in, because that's what San Antonio is. Just not very good. However, Q tag Drew Holiday, Q tag Porzingis, Q tag Derek White. However that shakes out is going to make everybody look even better. There's not really a ton of ownership here. 19% to Drew of Peyton Pritchard. If you're really curious about how this slate looks, I've got 28% of a 6% owned Jason Tatum, 9,500 small forward power forward against the Spurs. If that's the way that I'm getting different today, I am very happy about it.
1: Yeah. And uh, the same blowout risk on the Spurs side of the game certainly applies to the Celtics side. Here's the difference though. If there's a blowout, it's almost certainly going to be the Celtics. And with that in mind, even if the Celtics win in a blowout, like let's say they're up by 30 points, ideally it's because the game is super high scoring, not just where the Spurs aren't able to score the basketball. So there is legitimate ceiling for Celtics, guys, even in only three quarters. And then we've got the injury report scenario where Kristaps Porzingis, like you mentioned, Josh, questionable. Derek White, questionable. Drew Holiday, also questionable. So this is a spot where I would be fairly surprised if all three of them play, considering the matchup. I don't think that means that all three of them sit, but I would be relatively surprised if we get both Derek White and Drew Holiday, and I think one of them sit, and I think Porzingis also, fairly likely to sit in the matchup. If both Derek White and Drew Holiday are out, I like getting to Peyton Pritchard. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. That would open up some extra playing time for him, for sure. And then if we end up seeing Kristaps Porzingis sit, I think that would help Al Horford, who's priced reasonably, has power forward and center eligibility, not only center. So uh, definitely some updates we need for the injury report. But this Celtics team, like you said, there already are players that are worth getting to. Drew Holiday, one I get to. I even get to a couple shares of Peyton Pritchard as is. And that is yeah, even same. with both Drew Holiday and Derek White. in. so a 4K price tag for Peyton Pritchard, if they both sit, he becomes the top value on the slate.
0: Yeah, they look, Boston is going to look good no matter what. And they have the opportunity to look exceptional if those Q tags break the right way. If you start getting, you know, 25 minutes to Sam Hauser and 25 minutes to Peyton Richard and two of those starters are out and you're getting to Horford, there's going to be a lot of ownership to Boston. It's just really impossible to talk about in this moment. We need to know how those Q tags shake out. Yep. And, and then this one both. strikes me as a situation where we'll have that like early enough. I don't, this doesn't seem like gamesmanship when, they, when those guys know if they're not going to play, I think we're going to get that information before the 7 o'clock when it could be like the latest.
1: They, yeah, it doesn't don't strike have, me as
0: game time decisions.
1: It's not one I have a real clear read on, but I'm uh-huh. pretty confident that we're going to know three hours from now. The one thirty Eastern time injury report, we're going to find by then. Because like I said, this isn't gamesmanship. This is just kind of them being like, yeah. hey, we've got a really easy matchup. Good night to give guys some nights off. Let's see how everybody feels this afternoon, and then they'll make a decision.
0: Yeah, like if 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 Drew's not playing, they're just going to deal with it. They're, they're not going to be like, "Well, what should we do here to trick this?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> first Yeah, it's it's not it's not any of the nonsense that we see like the Pistons do or the Knicks or anything yeah. like that, where it's hey, these guys are questionable, but we can't let the other team know because there's there's an advantage to be at.
0: Milwaukee Bucks are four point favorites in Cleveland, two thirty seven total. Basically, no ownership coming into Milwaukee. 8% to Giannis at 11K. We've talked about how shitty some of the value is already. It's hard to get all the way to the top. I don't like too much of this. And they're adding someone back into the rotation. Welcome back, Jay Crowder.
1: Yeah, and I don't think he's going to play a massive amount or anything like that, but no. he could take away some minutes from like Pat Connaughton, Malik Beasley, and those are guys who weren't going to be getting to on the slate anyway, but now even less so reasons to be getting to them. I get a couple of shares of Giannis and nothing else from Milwaukee, and it's primarily because of reasons you had mentioned there, Josh. We've got, we got Jay Crowder coming back into the rotation, which is the inverse of what we look for in value. We're getting somebody minutes who otherwise wasn't playing minutes, and now yep. also we've got Chris Middleton, he's not really restricted anymore in the same way. Damian Lillard's a little bit more integrated into the Milwaukee offense. Giannis is expensive on a slate that doesn't have a lot of value, which just makes it difficult to get all the way up to him. So this is a team that's largely unappealing, especially because all these guys now, uh, especially Chris Middleton, who was really cheap for a point in time, he's not cheap anymore.
0: No, he is not. So it's pretty quick through a trip for Milwaukee. Obviously play Giannis if you like playing Giannisante Tacumbo. Cleveland has a Q tag on Karis Levert. 15% ownership to Donovan Mitchell. Nobody else really getting any love. Single digits across the board for everybody else. I still like taking a stand on Donovan Mitchell. I also did take his under on prize picks, so that is a bit of a balancing act for me. <laughs> I am 2Xing Donovan Mitchell. I'm getting to a bit of Isaac Okoro as a value play that's not getting as much love as some of these like uglier 3K value plays. But I think it's Mitchell as a priority, especially against Milwaukee. Fast-paced game, not the best defense in the world. Mitchell gets everything and could get even more if Lavert is out.
1: Yeah, I'm actually a three Xing Donovan Mitchell in the current okay. lineups that I've built right now. Uh, should be a really high-paced matchup for the Cavaliers. Uh, the Milwaukee defense—it's been fairly terrible this year. It's a really big downgrade on defense going from Drew Holiday to Damian Lillard, and then also you look at the numbers for Donovan Mitchell, especially as of late with Darius Garland out. The usage is incredibly high since yeah. coming back from injury. So we saw Donovan Mitchell get hurt on December 18th, missed a handful of games, returned December 29th. He has a usage rate north of 30% in all but one game since returning. And the only game that he didn't have a usage rate that high, he had a 27% usage rate. So we're seeing yeah. just a mass amount of shots being taken by Donovan Mitchell. And that's not like it's always bringing to the table. He's also the primary facilitator for the offense. So the assist rate has been really high as well. And I don't really think people are recognizing this because we're not seeing Donovan Mitchell be all that popular on these slates. And like last game, 34.7 assists, 31% usage. The game before 45 points six assists on 45% usage. The numbers we're seeing from Donovan Mitchell, it's not just like some unsustainable shooting or anything. It's that he has to do everything for this team right now. And as a result, he's a really good DFS option. The field is just not really getting to him right now.
0: Yeah, it's really uh it's an interesting balancing act right now. I don't know what I love. I don't know that I'm going to be getting to Donovan Mitchell. It's just going to be, I need him to have eight stocks, nine stocks tonight so that I can pay him <laughs> off in DFS and get the under on his points, rebounds, and assists. That's all I got. That's the only thing that I could do today.
1: What is his uh, PRA line?
0: 45 and a half. So that's 46 and a half something like that
1: such a high, that's such a high number I mean he could if he puts up 40 it um, was
0: 46 and a half yeah
1: all right so 46 and a half I mean think of it from this standpoint if he goes out he scores 32 points with yeah. like five rebounds and five assists and a couple of defensive stats in there and threes knocks on, he's a really good fantasy game relative to his price tag, and still it's the under on that PRA. It's it's really another way to look at how people are evaluating Donovan Mitchell's PRA being that high, because, I mean, those are, like, that's borderline Giannis territory in terms of what that PRA is, but yet he's cheaper than the other studs that we see, and then in addition to that, he's not all that crazy popular, 14% projected ownership.
0: It's 12 higher than Damian Lillard. For context it might be the, the biggest one that they have actually other than Giannis. let me take a look pra boop yeah i was gonna third ask Giannis. It, it's Giannis, luca and then donovan mitchell he's ahead of he's ahead of ad
1: Crazy. Um, Makes sense, though, too. Yeah, I'm not surprised.
0: With all these dudes out, with Levert potentially out, if Levert gets ruled in, I think that 46 and a half drops to like 43 and a half. I think this is assuming Levert is going to be out. So mm-hmm. I'll take my chances.
1: And uh, so one more thing to add before on just the AD point, before we get uh, ahead of ourselves here. AD is more expensive than Donovan Mitchell. He has worse position eligibilities, and he's more popular. So, another reason as well to kind of look at the Donovan Mitchell ownership, the price tag, and feel good about him.
0: Bet MGM is the sponsor. This is a very easy deal to explain. Sign up using the links that we have in the description or in chat. Bet five bucks, get 158 in bonus bets. It's for Super Bowl 58, but giving you $58 in bonus bets is not all that exciting. They tacked on an extra 100 to this one. You get two $50 bonus bets and a $58 bonus bet. The worst case scenario coming out of this is that you lose all four of those bets and you are down $5 from what you started. Best case scenario, you hit a couple of these bonus bets and you're starting off with a sizable bankroll at BetMGM. Now, this is good in all states except New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. Got to let you guys know that. Sorry to Olrat for trying to sign up in New York and uh, not being able to get it. but. It's all you got to do. Sign up using that link. Bet five bucks. You will get those bonus bets. The legal age for gambling. is 21 or over, and if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. But take advantage. Drop those bonus bets down on the Super Bowl. Have a fun night while you're eating wings and dips and all of those other fun things. Houston Rockets. This game sucks. Five-point game. Five point underdogs in New York. 219 and a half total. Yuck. Uh, 30% ownership coming into Alper and Shingun, who's down to 7,900. That price tag looks great. Around 10% to Jabari Smith, 15% to Jalen Green. It's another situation where it's like, all right, I'll get some of the Houston starters. But I think that Shingun price tag is the the key piece here.
1: Yeah, and uh, Shingun, not somebody who looks as strong on FanDuel does on DraftKings. And the game environment sucks. You had mentioned it. The total is super low. It is the lowest total on the slate. Yes, the only one that's like, Within the same ballpark is the Minnesota Detroit game. That's the only one that's even relatively close to Houston, New York. And even that is a is a couple points higher here. So as far as Shangoon goes, the price tag is just too low on him, considering what we've seen him do for this team. And another thing also that's weird about this, it's not like he's played poorly lately. You look at the recent games for Shangun, and it's he scored 43 fantasy points last time out against Philly. The game before they scored 44 against Boston in a game where only played 24 minutes because of a blowout. 38 against Detroit, 46 against Chicago, 45 against Miami. He's only scored below 40 fantasy points once in the last two weeks. And for some reason, that's caused his price point to crater. He hasn't been he hasn't been below 8K since November 20th. I just scrolled through his Ooh. box score. So it's been two months since he's gone below 8K. And now they did in a stretch where he's playing well. I, I get that. Some of this has to do with the matchup and the low expected pace of the game, but uh, still they've deep, they've depressed the price point too much on Shangun. and that makes him a very strong option, even though this isn't the best game environment.
0: You want to do anything else with Houston?
1: Not in a meaningful way. If you have a couple lineups with Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, like you mentioned these guys. Okay. Like I get to them in like two to 8% of lineups for the other starters, but. Nothing that's really all that significant. Shingun does show up in a third of my lineups.
0: On the Knicks side, we've got some trickery here that's going to be hard to talk about. We haven't seen Jalen Brunson for the past two games. He is questionable for today, as is Josh Hart. That information will carry a lot of weight. Obviously, Miles McBride played like 35 minutes a night. He's up to 5,300. Single-digit ownership to everybody on the Knicks. I actually like Brunson and Hart the most as of right now. Add in Julius Randle if you wanted 8,900, although it becomes to get to becomes difficult to get to him with Carl Anthony Towns existing. And it's a shit matchup, too. Do you like anything from the Knicks?
1: Like, no. I don't have I don't have a meaningful amount of anybody here. A couple shares of Brunson, Randle, nothing significant. It's it's all sub five percent for me on these guys. However, if Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson get rolled out, then the situation definitely changes here for the Knicks. Uh, We've seen Miles McBride play big minutes like you mentioned. I don't think I'm going to want to pay up for the $5,300 price tag. I mean, maybe I'm misspeaking here because he has scored over 30 fantasy points each of the last couple of games. So uh, maybe he should be projecting better than I think he's going to in my head because it's not like I've made projections for the Knicks assuming these guys are out. But Miles McBride, while he has put up some gaudy fantasy point games, I don't view much of it as being sustainable. Like two games ago, he shot seven of 10 from the field. He had a 15% usage rate, but made 70% of his shots. So that's how he gets to 38 fantasy points. So nothing that I could expect to continue. One thing I do think is kind of interesting, though, is uh, Quentin Grimes. He's somebody who I could see myself getting to in the event that there is no Josh Hart or Jalen Brunson out on the court for the Knicks. We haven't seen a lot of playing time go to Grimes. But a big part of that has been that in these games where Jalen Brunson has missed, we have still seen Josh Hart in. If both of them are out, then I think we start to see Quinn Grimes play more extended minutes and then he becomes somebody who's a good value option.
0: Yeah. I hope we get Brunson back. Like I don't, I just don't even, I don't want to have to extra deal with the Knicks. I, I just, if I'm going to get somebody, I'd like it to just be Jalen Brunson and make my life easier. I don't want to be like, well, I guess Miles McBride is like an okay value for today. No part of that like I don't want I don't want to do that. It's...
1: Yeah, don't want to play 5300 Miles McBride, uh but would you would you agree if Quentin Grimes ends up uh ends up playing in this game without Brunson and Josh Hart, we probably get extended minutes out of Grimes?
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. It's I get to too much Grimes normally regardless. Um, but if we get hard out of there, I, I think you're at the very least, you're getting him up to that, like 24 range. And, you know, he said 3,700 guard forward. We've talked a lot about some value plays that aren't all that ideal. He will certainly become one of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if we have a situation right now where Joe Ingalls is projected for nearly 50% ownership, I don't see a world where Quinn Grimes doesn't become fairly popular. If Hart and Bronson are out.
0: Completely agree. Let's get Miami Heat, a team that I know I can't stand. I assume you feel the same way, given your uh, general distaste for uh, Jimmy Butler, who I guess is dropping a country album in the near future. (laughs) Great, great stuff. 12% ownership to Kyle Lowry is the highest mark on Miami, if you're wondering what this slate is. 24% to Bam Adebayo on FanDuel, if that's interesting. I barely have this team. I got a little bit of Lowry, a little bit of Hero. We saw Jimmy Butler come back and play like 40 minutes last time out. Uh, This whole team is dumb, man. um, Ultimately, the the best part is this. They play slow. It's not like the Raptors are a track meet. I don't have much here, and I'm very happy about it.
1: I think Jimmy Butler is a uh, fairly interesting contrarian play for this slate. Considering all the minutes he played last game, is that repeatable? Probably not, but maybe if they're willing to give him 40 minutes and that was his first game in a in a meaningful amount of time. Jimmy Butler, who had missed time due to I think it was a toe injury, if I remember correctly, Um, something something like that. But Jimmy Butler or like toe foot injury, something along those lines. Jimmy Butler only played in one game since December 18th. One game in a month. Jimmy Butler played. He comes back. They give him 40 minutes. 40 minutes he puts up 31 points five rebounds four assists he carried a 24 percent usage rate he was super involved in the game if they're willing to give him that big amount of minutes and I understand the game did go to overtime but that's a pretty good indication that there's no concerns about his playing time going forward and he's not all that expensive like $7,800 no. for him on DraftKings with no ownership that is a kind of guy that does stand out to me especially on a slate that doesn't have a lot of value so if I could get a two three percent own Jimmy Butler at a depressed price point uh, that that is fairly interesting to me. Our, our rivalry aside,
0: yeah, certainly looks like a, a GBP play you can get to if he's going to be playing those kind of minutes. Um, but that is going to be a pivot more than anything else, not a priority. But yeah. we're on the same page there. I mean, and like that's nine how... percent owned Bam or three percent own Tyler Hero. Like I don't mind having those guys, but they're just not going to grade out as the best plays today.
1: Yeah, not the best plays on the slate, but uh, Jimmy Butler does look underrepresented to me.
0: He does indeed. Toronto Raptors. Opposite side of this one. Gary Trent questionable, which probably matters. 10% ownership to RJ Barrett is the only relevant ownership on the Raptors side on DK. Get a little bit more coming in on FanDuel. I have scattered amounts of their starters, but I don't have anybody jumping off the page here either.
1: I think the biggest thing to keep an eye on is the situation with Pascal Siakam. There's been a lot of rumors that Uh, There's potentially a trade that could be close to being done. Shams had reported that yesterday that uh, there was a potential deal between the Pacers and the Raptors that would include Pascal Siakam for Bruce Brown and then a handful of draft picks. With that in mind, I think there's a pretty good chance that Siakam ends up sitting tonight. And if that's the case, opens up all kinds of potential value in the front court here for the Toronto Raptors. I'm also interested to see what they end up doing with their center situation, because Jakubow <laughs> remains out for this. Oh, what was that?
0: I'm just laughing at the fact that they messed around with it last game, and Jonte Porter played 10 seconds in the second half.
1: Yeah, it's just so tilting because he played really well in the first half. Here's where things went went wayward for him. There's like two minutes to go in the second quarter, and Jonte Porter picks up. It was like three fouls in a minute, and they and they take him out of the game before the end of the half. Second half starts, he immediately picks up his fourth foul, and they're like, we're done with this. Send him back to the bench. He was my most rostered player on that slate. I felt really good. I couldn't believe how popular he ended up getting because the starting lineup changed uh, what was expected to after lock. So I felt really good getting myself as aggressively to Jonte Porter as I possibly could in the late swap tool. And it starts great. He's got like 13 fantasy points at the end of the first quarter, and that is also what he finished the game with. So... If he starts at center, I think he's a good guy to go back to because there was a lot of positives from that game until he just decided to foul like crazy. They took him off the court and never put him back in.
0: Ten seconds. Ten seconds he was on the floor in the third quarter and he <laughs> never saw the floor again. I don't think I've ever seen that before.
1: No, it so- started with his fouls in the second quarter. He just kept fouling dudes, and then he fouled somebody to open up the third quarter, and they were like, hey, we're pulling the plug on this. Never came back in. Really good points from a fantasy producer in the start of that game and uh and it fell apart very quickly
0: what do we do here if he starts though 4300 how do you project his minutes because i feel like he's got to be interesting today if you project him as a starter
1: yeah so i i mean he started last game so i do think he is probably the most likely guy to start in this game and the game he played before that against the utah jazz he came off the bench he played 32 minutes in that game we got 32 minutes at a Jonte Porter two games ago. The problem have been fouls. If you look at the last three games for Porter, three games ago against the Clippers, picks up four personal fouls, only plays 18 minutes. The game against the Jazz, which was a blow, which aided his playing time, but stayed out of foul trouble, plays 31 and a half minutes in that game. Then last game, the foul troubles uh, become an issue again, four personal fouls and only gets to the 14 minutes. If he starts, here's where it gets really tricky. There isn't, and this is also just an inherent problem with NBA projections there really isn't one minute's projection for Porter. There's such a wide range no. of outcomes. So, he's somebody who depending what his ownership is, which I don't think would be all that high considering what happened last game, I would want to be overweight to the field on Jonte Porter assuming he's like 10% owned or something like that. As far as minutes go, I'd probably give him something like 22, and that would be enough for him to show up in some lineups of these starts, but there's certainly upside for him to play close to 30 in an ideal scenario for him.
0: Absolutely agree.
1: Now, like
0: they the problem is Toronto can just be so weird. Like Boucher can play center, Porter can play center, Thad Young can play center, Pascal Siakam can play center. Like they've got enough different dumb options that they could go to a full on four man committee like they sort of did in that last game. But if Porter's starting again, I think you have to at least pay attention to him, given where all of the other value exists on today's slate.
1: Yeah, I mean you can't tell me that Jonte Porter, despite all the you know annoying shit that went down last game that he should be sub 1% owned as a starter when Joe Engel's coming off the bench is 50% owned.
0: I am in full agreement with you. Next game. Charlotte Hornets, 12 and a half point dogs. God, this team sucks. In (laughs) New Orleans, 229 total. I don't even want to go to Charlotte to see this team. They're that bad. Uh, And the problem now is they're starting to get healthy, which I don't even know if that's a good thing. But here we are. Slowly but surely. Q tag on Bryce McGowans, Q tag on Brandon Miller, Q tag on Frank Nilakina, no Gordon Hayward, no Mark Williams. Four percent owned PJ Washington is the high mark on DK. 6% to Miles Bridges on the FanDuel side. Do you have any Charlotte?
1: I do to PJ Washington. I think that uh people are overlooking him at just the 3% mark there. He played 28 minutes last game. PJ Washington is not a bad fantasy producer either. So uh, he's the guy that stands out the most to me. We also got Brandon Miller is questionable for the game. Bryce McGowan's is questionable. If we do see both Brandon Miller and Bryce McGowan's out so Bryce McGowan's being questionable in the large scheme of things doesn't matter. The reason it matters is because Brandon Miller is also questionable. So if Miller is out, McGowan's is somebody who would stand to be in the rotation, and get actual minutes. But then if both of them are out, then you start to look around and be like, all right, they have to give Cody Martin some minutes and then potentially they play some bigger lineups. That would mean more PJ Washington. And Washington is priced down a good amount. So in both DraftKings and FanDuel, I think P.J. Washington is a good-looking contrarian option.
0: I would happily have some P.J. Washington. I I got a couple shares of Nick Richards, which is just like fine. He's a starting center. You can play any starting center that's going to play 28 minutes a night at the right price tag. I do have 2% of Miles Bridges. I don't know why he continues to have power forward center eligibility, but he does. Uh, It's just they're bad. They're bad. There's nothing else to say. They're bad. 30th in net rating, 27th in offensive rating, 28th in defensive rating. Burn the whole team down or move these dudes to a different city.
1: Here's uh, just while, while we're on the topic of the horns, what do you make of Lamelo's future at this point? Because I was really high on him at one point, and now the the persisting ankle injuries. He he, It was like four or five different times he had to miss games last year with ankle injuries before, something I've never seen happen before he he broke his ankle on a non-contact play just gave out on him it was just like hey we're not yeah. we're not we're not playing for the shitty team anymore and just his foot just gave out on him now he's gotten hurt again this year he's also seen it's i think he's regressed like i think he was he he might have been at his best his first couple years in the league and now he maybe not regressed but he certainly leveled off like we haven't seen him make any kind of significant improvements so there was a point in time where I was really high on LaMelo, and I have a lot of question marks about him now.
0: I'm a huge fan. The the, the health is, a, is like a problem that I can't give an opinion on. Like, that's just, I'm not going to know that in any way. Plus 3.6 offensive EPM this season is this the highest mark that he's had in his career. Now, that's obviously in 17 games. He's right around league average true shooting, a little bit low, but the assist rate is obviously phenomenal. He's making up for it. Elsewhere, you know, he shoots 37, 38 percent from three on a pretty difficult diet of threes. He's fucking terrible trying to make a shot at the rim. Just never has been able to do that. 11th percentile, 12th percentile, fifth and 18th over his four seasons in the NBA. But he's 22 like that is he is. A crazy good offensive player for 22, and I wonder what that can be if he becomes more efficient. I also just wonder what it is if they don't suck, like, (laughs) is this just a function of Charlotte? If you take him and drop him in, I don't, don't freak out everybody when I say this, but if you just take Tyrese Halliburton off of the Pacers and drop LaMelo Ball onto that team, I think they're still an exceptionally good offense. Like, I don't, I don't think that change, like Halliburton is on a different level. I'm not trying to, but like, it's not like LaMelo Ball doesn't have that same sort of pedigree. He had a better pedigree coming out he's younger than Tyrese Halliburton for sure by a non-insignificant amount of time I believe I think if he were just not on the Hornets we would look at him differently it's the the health of his ankles I don't know what to do there like if you have the medical reports and you think it could be okay fine you know we also had a point guard back in the day that had really bad ankles and no one thought anything was going to happen and then Steph Curry stopped getting ankle injuries and became incredible not saying that that's the output for LaMelo but There's something here. I want to see him on a different team. And I'm sure as shit, he wants to see him on a different team.
1: (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure his dad does as well. Uh, There's I think that stuff like big market is a little bit overrated when people break down free agency because I live in the New York area and people have always talked about the Knicks being a free agent destination. And then I look at the free agents the Knicks have signed in my lifetime and it's basically non existent. So in general, I think that the idea of big market teams is a little bit overrated. However, Lomelo does strike me as a guy who would want to play in a big market. Yeah,
0: like you can't tell me this dude doesn't want to go play in California.
1: Agreed. I think that would be I think playing in New York or LA would be a priority yeah. for Lamelo when it's Miami.
0: Like he, he wants to go to every place that everybody else would desperately want to go. All right. Uh, we we don't have a ton of time because we have the NFL show behind us and we still have a couple teams to talk about, but I'm going to put, put this one to you right now. Best fit for Lamello. If he can get traded in the next month, that's not happening, but where would you want to see him go? What, what maximizes Lamelo? Who would want him?
1: A lot of people would want him placed. I know max- there's one
0: answer to me. Clear.
1: Ooh. All right. Tell me what it is. Cause I don't, I can't think of it.
0: He will not go there, but the Orlando—he would fit the Orlando Magic to a T.
1: Yeah, that would be cool, especially because they have so many good defensive players to make up for his defensive shortcomings.
0: Yeah, and he's—he's he's big. Like his defensive shortcomings aren't the same as like Tyrese Halliburton's defensive shortcomings. Lamelo Ball will always be a be able to be a better defender than Halliburton because physically he can't get overpowered in the same way. Yeah, you get him to Orlando. I think that becomes like really scary. I just don't know how like they've got the ammo, the ammo to do it.
1: I'll say Utah.
0: I'm fine with that one. I think Houston would be awesome too and that there's a little appeal of getting to Houston at least. I'll I like, like it. Pelican side. <laughs> 15% ownership to a uh, our boy Zion Williamson, single-digit ownership to everybody else, $8,200 BI, $7,900 CJ. You getting to anybody other than Fatty?
1: Uh, just Zion, who's also a little bit underpriced for this slate at $7,600 on DraftKings. Yeah. Uh, minutes seem to be creeping up a little bit for Zion here. Uh last couple of games he's played 32 and 35 minutes. Uh we've also seen pretty healthy usage rates for him in those games, 34.5% and 33. Uh Pelicans continue to be cautious with Zion considering some of his health situations and the amount of games that he's missed over the last couple of years. Uh great match for him though against the Charlotte Hornets. They've absolutely nobody who could match up with. Him. Most people don't have a way to match up with Zion Williamson. And uh, I think that he is looking pretty good as like one of those other mid-range-ish type guys. If I'm looking for a power forward in this price range, I definitely prefer Carl Anthony Towns to Zion, but he's my second favorite here in this range.
0: I have nothing else to say for the Pelicans, though. The ownership speaks for itself. Dallas Mavericks are three-point dogs in Los Angeles, 242 total, and we basically can't talk about this one. Q tag on Luka Doncic, probable tag on Derek Jones Jr. and Grant Williams. On the opposite side, the Lakers are doing their normal shit. It's uh probable tag on AD, Q tag LeBron, no Cam Reddish. If Luka plays, I like him at 10-9. He's 10% owned. It's single digits across the board. I don't have to convince anybody to play Luka. And if he's in, it's really hard to get to Kyrie since Kyrie's price is up from Luka being out. If Luka's out again, then, you know, get yourself a little bit of Kyrie. Tim Hardaway Jr. up to 6400 now. Feels a little healthy. Probably don't like Dallas all that much.
1: Yeah, they've basically been priced under the assumption that Luca's going to be out. Kyrie, $9,300, is the guy who would end up getting the most of. We've pretty regularly been projecting Kyrie for around 50 fantasy points in these games that Luka's missed. If Luka's in, like you said, Kyrie, a non-considerationist, consideration same as all the role players on the team for Dallas, if Luca is out, Kyrie looks good. Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, Derek Jones Jr., they can make their way into a couple lineups here or there. But this is a team that's already been priced, assuming Luca is going to be out.
0: Yeah. I got 30% Luca. So, like, get me to him if I can. Because 10 9 works for me, but there's not a lot here. And prices have already come up for him being out. On the Lakers side, you've got. 20% ownership to AD, 35% to, D- to D'Angelo Russell, who I guess they hit him with the paddles a couple days ago <laughs> once Cam Reddish got out. They brought him back to life. Around 10 to LeBron, 5 to Torian Prince. How are you handling Russell? And then what do you want to do with LeBron and AD?
1: Yeah, looks like we're going to see D'Lo starting for the time being. We saw the Lakers go back to Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell in the starting lineup. I do that. I mean, that's a healthy amount of ownership going to D'Lo that definitely does scare me, 35% for him. Uh, at, in the mid-range, he is one of the top plays on the slate. I would definitely play him in cash for tournaments, a mark that I'd probably want to be underway to the field to if people are going to be going there. And I don't think the minutes are guaranteed. We even saw that in the playoffs last year where D'Angelo Russell, if he didn't start the games well, if he was missing shots, they would just take him off the court. So D'Lo looks a little yeah. bit over-owned to me. Same for Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis at 10K. Yeah, he projects really well on the slate. But there are other guys I already like the position that are cheaper. Zion Williamson, Car Anthony Towns. I uh, talked about like getting overweight to Donovan Mitchell before. And Donovan Mitchell, we talked about him. He's a higher PRA than Anthony Davis does tonight. But yet he's cheaper, and he also has less ownership. So uh, as far as Anthony Davis goes, yeah, he's a solid option at 10K, just a little bit too popular for me. And that's how I feel about D'Angelo Russell as well. Like points per dollar, is he good at 6K? Yeah, but do I want it to play him when he's in north of a third of the field's lineups? Not as much as the field does.
0: There we go. One game to go. The final game before we get out of here and turn it over to NFL strategy show. Golden State Warriors are four and a half point underdogs in Utah, 242 total. This game is not on the FanDuel slate. No Moses Moody, Chris Paul, Gary Payton on the Utah side. Everybody that's normally available is... Call it 15% ownership to Wiggins, Saric, Looney, Thompson, and Steph. Maybe a little bit more to Kaminga. And that's kind of how I see Golden State. I don't know who I want. I think I like Steph and Clay the most. I think you can kind of grab one dude from Golden State in most things, but just not have any confidence in who that is.
1: Assuming that he sticks in the starting lineup, uh, Looney at $3,800, he isn't playing massive minutes as a starter. But he's a good enough fantasy producer that even if you only plug Looney in for 18, 20 minutes, considering the lack of value on this slate, he's a serviceable option at $3,800 as a punt. I think he should be projecting better just points per dollar than somebody like Joe Ingles. Sure, Ingles has better positionality, but if you're just looking at a utility spot and it's like, could I play, would I rather play Kevon Looney or would I rather play Joe Ingles at 50% owned? I would lean towards Looney in that situation. So, Looney, Thompson, Saric, Steph, these are guys who all are worth double digit exposures to considering their price points.
0: I got a little, I got a scattered amount of everybody. Uh, Looney and Thompson are the guys that are leading the charge for me at this moment, but I'm I'm over this Warriors team too. I, I wish they would just they blow this whole thing up. They do stink. It's they the do stink. End,
1: uh, end of the dynasty.
0: It is, although I already thought that happened once and then they won another title, so who knows? Uh, 15% owner, 10 to 15% ownership coming into Simone Fontecchio, Laurie Markkinen, Chris Dunn, and Keontae George. This team is a disaster to try to project right now. What do you do with Utah who played 10 dudes, their normal rotation, all between 17 and 28 minutes their last time out, and basically do that all the time?
1: Yeah, so uh, there are a couple of guys that stand out to me right now, Uh, Keontae, George, and Fontecchio, just for similar reasons. We talked about a lot of other guys. Lack of value on the slate. But here's something else that really makes sense to me about getting to this team. Last game on the entire slate. So if you do have lineups that have Keontae, George, Fontecchio, and I talk about this on Live Before Lock a good amount, if there are guys who are similar looking to me in the late games as the early games. I'd rather get to guys in the later games, and I'm more inclined to give them a positive ROI boost in the Sims tool and maybe downgrade some of the earlier starting guys because we almost always have NBA slates that get news, especially on a nine-game slate. Game isn't on the FanDuel slate, is on the DraftKings one. So what happens? You play Keontae, George, and Fontecchio for now, and if you end up getting to them, cool, I don't have an issue with that. But the most likely scenario is that other players get ruled out after lock, and it gives you more flexibility than if you were loading up on, say, like a Joe Ingles in the first game on the slate.
0: Yeah, I've got Dunn and Fontecchio right now, and I'm happy to have that. Makes it really easy to move pieces around later on in the day if you need to. But it's really hard for Utah. I just I have no trust. They've been playing great, but I have no trust in this team from a DFS perspective because that guy you could play well and play 22 minutes, and they just they're just going to keep that train moving along.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they're head of the Warriors in the standings. They're head of the Lakers in the standings now. They are uh, they're back in the play in mix. It was a team that I was yeah. pretty high on going into last year, and then uh, they absolutely just uh, broke my heart down the stretch of the season because I had them like thirteen to one to be in the play in game or something like that, and they just <laughs> totally fell apart. But they're back at it again this year.
0: It's a pretty ugly slate.
1: Yeah, but we're going to see some weird news like two hours from now and then there's going to be a bunch of value and then we're going to do a deep dive in live before lock and it's going to be essentially like talking about a difference late.
0: Yes, we are. So hit that <laughs> like button on your way out the door. We're going to get out of here. NFL Strategy Show coming up next. Thanks to Greg. Thanks to Jordan. Thanks to BetMGM. We will talk to you guys later.